This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday War Games episode number 51. No, 52. We're on 52. Last week was 51. Liam was, was desperately throwing me off. I'm Garrett. Joining me as always is my very Australian co-host Liam Jones. Liam, what are you doing? Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Well, it's the loudest crowd in wrestling history. (laughs) Fakest crowd. Well, if you watch NXT this week, it's definitely not the loudest crowd in wrestling history. It was so... It's like they had control over every aspect of it, yet they still chose to make it really quiet for the first half. And then they're just like, Rhea Ripley came out, and the the, the fake Thunderdome, the capital wrestling dome, uh, erupted into uh, rapturous cheers. And then Poppy showed up, and the place went absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that was just me. They just recorded your reaction to Poppy, and then there we go, put it in the show. Yeah, but it it wasn't even that time, it was just one of the other times. Did you know the NXT Thunderdome screens aren't even live? Yeah, because there's someone on my my Twitter feed, I forget who it is, but he keeps tabs of every time he's appeared on Raw or SmackDown or NXT despite not watching it. (laughs) That's quite impressive. Yeah, he'll, he'll, be, he'll just go, and I see myself in in on the screens today, and I see myself again. He'll be like, uh, um, <clears throat> I'm watching AEW this week, but I can see myself in NXT. <laughs> Isn't that so weird that, like, you're stuck well, in everything perpetuity? Everything about their presentation is weird. Because, like, you're there forever, stuck on a Thunderdome screen, just reacting to Damien Priest or whatever. Uh, oh, to be stuck in the Thunderdome. Just forever. It's like a freaking Black Mirror episode. You're stuck in the Thunderdome forever. You live your life in the Thunderdome screen. Soon the Thunderdome screen becomes the real you, and the real you is nothing. That's the way the world works. Damn. One day we'll all be members of the Thunderdome. Uh, how are you doing? I'm ready. I'm alright. I had a very sad dream. Okay, so I was walking down a cold riverbed, right? Is this a riverbed you know, or a riverbed that's unfamiliar to you? It was a a, a very known riverbed. Okay. Most of my dreams are set in places I know. Okay, I, I have a follow-up question. Is it exactly mm. the same as the places you know, or is it like a weird dream remixed version of the places you know? Most of the time, it's places I know in weird circumstances. Because for me, anytime I dream of places I know, and this is weirdly consistent, there's like a dream version of it in which like there's buildings that aren't in the real version. And like, it's like 80% the same and 20% different. But the way it's 20% different is like consistent dream to dream. And it's always Mm. very strange. There's like, this is the dream version of like the, the village in which I live. Uh, is is a consistent dream world, and that I always find that very strange. It's like, what have I manufactured this from? My dreams will go like, it, it'll exist like it'll be like scenes. Like the first scene will take place in this part of it, mm-hmm. and then I'll open the door and I'll be in a completely different setting. Uh, important question again: uh, Is the door you're opening forbidden? <laughs> no, that's that's off the hinges already. Oh, okay. As Danny Limelight was on AW Dark, New Japan Strong finalist. Continue your dream. Oh yes, so I was walking down a very cold, 
depressing river. It was actually iced over, which I don't think has ever happened in the river next to me in my life. Have you but, ever seen snow in your life? Uh, yes, I, I went to the mountains. <laughs> it's a pilgrimage to the mountains for your one time. You bow to the snow. It's like snow gods. I bought a 3DS for the trip. And then my friend dropped it and broke it. Oh, no. <laughs> the, like three days after I got it. That's very upsetting. It wasn't wasn't cool. <laughs> I was not pleased. Riverbed frozen over. I was down by the river and there was a small kitten. Mm-hmm. And it walked up to me. And I was, and it like started nuzzling on my arm for warmth. And I was like, oh, I'll pat this kitten. I'll warm it up. And then I found, I stole water from someone. <laughs> someone who was camping and I handed it to the kitten and the kitten was drinking it and then I made a conscious decision I'm gonna save this kitten right and I talked to like there was a ranger at some point and I was like they're like yeah fucking take it sick and I was like cool and I had to walk back to the car with the kitten you see right mm-hmm. so I was, I was uh, nuzzling it as if it were a babe in my arms and it was like uh, like licking my face. It was so happy, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm so I'm really happy." And then I was walking up, and it had warmed up at this point. It was like a sunny day at this point, so I think it was like five a.m. and then it warmed up. But I was walking across the road, and two hooligans, Garrett, two ruffians, uh, rode past on their bikes and tried to grab it from my grab the kitten from my arms. No, uh, I wasn't letting it go, and I was fighting them off with my legs, and then I woke up. So, I like to believe that I won. <laughs> or they killed you. Or they killed me, and that's how I woke up. But I saved the cat. <laughs> how do you know you saved the cat? Well, A, because I woke up, and it was my own narrative, so I can decide how it ends. <laughs> Alright, what if dreams are in fact an alternate reality we visit when we sleep? And mm. you were there defending the kitten, defending the kitten against the hooligans, and you woke up, leaving the kitten by itself. So suddenly you just popped out of existence. Okay, so like they grabbed for it, right? And I stopped them, so they kind of grabbed my shirt instead of the cat. Yeah. And then I was like, kind of like hunched over, so like if they were gonna like beat the shit up anyone, it was gonna be me. And then I kind of like, in my head, I was like looking at the bushland that was in front of us, and I was holding the cat, and there was no one in between. So I think I was like, either I'm gonna get just get the shit kicked out of me, someone's gonna help me, or I'm gonna like direct the cat to run away. Run, cat! Leave me! Yeah. Save yourself! Yes. Yeah, that's how I was going down Amata. But then, as I said, alternate reality, you visit when you sleep. When you woke up, you left the cat by itself. Did it escape into that bushland? No, we don't know, do we? We don't know. This <laughs> I, think, is a... I think at that point, they would be probably too busy rolling my pockets <laughs> to worry about the cat. <laughs> Maybe they were trying to steal the cat. They were. They were explicitly, they were trying to steal the cat out of my hands, but I think once they got into the point where they were fighting me, they probably decided that my wallet and phone was more important. So do we think this cat is some kind of special one? Some kind of creature that needs to be protected? Some kind of valuable resource? No, I think it was, I think it was just a, I think it was just a regular old kitten. So why did they want the cat? I think, well, I just think they are assholes who wanted to like put it in a bag and throw it over a bridge or something. Do your dreams have continuity? Um... Some of them. Mm. I have had times where I've had stories in my dreams and then I've woken up and and then I've gone back to sleep purposely to try and trace the dream and I've gone back into it. Nice. Um, because I, I used to write down all my dreams. I never kept a dream journal. I just kept it in my notes in my phone. Because like, my dreams, uh, a lot of my dreams have continuity in which like there's, as I said, there's the weird fictional version of the place where I live, which is consistent 
and there's like uh, weird like, like my dreams have sequels which is weird so i hope your, your cat dream has a sequel uh so you, mm. you find out what happens to the cat and we can inform our listeners what happened to your cat i'll go to sleep right after this <laughs> and i'll try and chase it <laughs> i remember my most common like reoccurring dream was never a, it was always a group of my f- school friends right set in a place that i knew that i was familiar with so it was either a lot of the times it was my grandparents house which they lived out in the bushland on a on a horse farm and or it's set like in one of the schools that i went to on campus right but then it would be some sort of wacky circumstance like oh it's zombies or something Hmm. yeah and then, like, it would be us dealing with that as my friend groups. Zombies are hard to deal with. Ah, I, I see. I never. I I was never scared by these dreams. Though I don't really have scary dreams. Do you have like the the standard like exam dreams, school dreams? Nah, I never really had them. I don't think I cared. I cared enough about school to have <laughs> pressure dreams. I never really had school dreams until I taught for six months. In secondary school, to so like to mm. fourteen to sixteen year olds, and now I actually have like school dreams from a teaching perspective, and of like dropping mm. me back in with nightmare students, and I'm like, oh god, was that really that much of an emotionally scaring experience for me? Have you ever had like um, dreams where you wake up and you're immediately like, no, take me back? It was so much better. <laughs> no, but I routinely I have the weirdest like mundane dreams where I'll be like, I'll wake up. I'll, th- I'll look at the clock and then I'll roll back to sleep uh, thinking my alarm hasn't gone off. But then I will dream that my alarm went off and I pushed my alarm forward. So Ooh. then I'll wake up in another 20 minutes and I'll be back before the alarm went off in the first place. And I'll be mm. so confused. I'll be like, what, mm. why, what's happening? It's very strange. I remember um, I had one dream where I, li- I lived out an entire life. <laughs> Where it was from me meeting my wife to getting married to having a child to waking up. (laughs) And when I woke up, I was just, like, depressed. I was like, oh, the dream life was so much better. (laughs) I remember um, when I was a kid, I had, like, such a weird relationship with dreams. Because, like, I would dream something and then, like, something would happen the next day that was basically the exact dream. But it would only be for, like four second intervals so you're psychic is what you're saying <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> but there was definitely there's definitely times well because i used to get like really strong deja vu mm. and then like i started realizing that, like it was because i would dream those deja vu moments before they happened so that's why we're never wrong because you're psychic yeah that's it <laughs> no unfortunately that's like those kind of dreams stopped happening when I was like uh, seven <laughs> this was like kindergarten I would dream stuff that would happen at kindergarten and then it would happen speaking of unusual relationships with dream Ooh. every week we review NXT and <laughs> <laughs> We decide which is better. And last week, AEW won. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, AEW, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, sweet dreams, beautiful American nightmares. 
Oh. <laughs> I'm trying a little. MJF and Wardlow opened AEW. Sammy shouted. Yeah, they sure them. did. There you go. Oh, boy. That's your opening segment. Oh, boy. Wardlow and Sammy getting on the same page ahead of their big stable with Chris Jericho. Uh, yes. Actually, you know, they did give each other a look. So they were like, oh. Because mm-hmm. oh. they all hate <laughs> MJF. The clock is ticking on Wardlow. I mentioned this in DMs. Like the second they started, like uh, started. The hey, I current, brought this up in the DMs. You can't claim this. The clock is ticking. But you were like, "Oh, will they miss the window?" And I'm like, "If they didn't start a turn, they can wait as long as they want." But the second mm. they initiate that turn, the clock starts on Wardlow. So I was like, "Oh, mm. clock is ticking on Wardlow." They have about two years to do it now. But these these uh, last two matches, I thought were both very good from Old Ward. Well, Low. yes, Wardlow opened the show losing, which is very unfortunate, to Adam Hangman Page in the... To be fair, out of, like, there's like three people in AEW I'm fine with beating Wardlow. Okay. <laughs> Hangman Adam Page is one of them. Who are the other? Kenny's the other. Who's the third? Uh, John Moxley. <laughs> oh, that's fair. No one else can beat him. Well, Cody beat him, so that should upset you. That was his first match, you know, things go wrong. It was in the main event, in a steel cage. <laughs> Clearly, cages are his kryptonite. When do you think we're going to get our next steel cage match in AEW? Probably they're gonna throw it on full gear, desperately trying to sell a paper that doesn't have a lot of heat. Maybe <laughs> it's funny because like full gear has a ton of big matches on it. Yeah, but also I don't care about most of them. That's fair. Especially the tag title. We'll get into it. Wardlow. Uh, last week we were talking about a Wardlow. You you suggested that the Wardlow performance against Jungle Boy was kind of somewhat indicative of him stepping outside his comfort zone and maybe proving something, which I didn't quite agree with. I do agree with it in this match. I think this was a, more of a match where Wardlow had to go head to head with a worthy worthy adversary instead of the usual beating the hell out of somebody smaller than him match. And well, I thought he, looked he really didn't good. have to rely on what he's good at. He had to go out of his comfort zone and. He had to try and uh, work up to the level of someone bigger than him. And he, he had to work a match where he can't just dominate somebody. Yeah, because he, he didn't actually get a lot in this match. It was mostly him trying to do stuff with Paige running around him and avoiding him. Yeah, because he went for a senton and uh, Paige avoided it and Paige made Valiant come back. He tried to uh, lawn dart Paige into the thing and Paige rolled off and pushed him into it instead. And Yeah. And then when he did get caught, it was like big moves with a lot of impact. Like he did the, I don't even want to call it the spear because it was more like the shot put slam. Yeah. <laughs> and it was fucking sick. Like uh, where he like picks him up and then he throwed him through the, through him, uh, through the, uh, what do you call it? Barricade. So yeah, Paige goes to the final. Paige and Omega is the obvious final and the right final. It's the final they did. You I, could have foreseen this. <laughs> I, I do like that. You know, the, the obvious choice is also a lot of the time the right choice, and a lot of people mm. tend to mistake uh, unpredictability with better. And generally, things being unpredictable just means that they're sloppily put together. Whereas here, Paige and Omega was the match, and they went to the match. Part of me thinks that it's getting a draw. <laughs> I think they're gonna do a time limit draw. Mm. And I like because I just I don't see them wanting to give either person a win over each other yet so early. It'll either be Kenny or it'll be a draw. Yeah, I think it'll be Kenny, and I think he might be a little cheap about it. Mm. But... Do you think he actually goes like full has to cheat to win? I don't think he does like nefarious ref bump low blow, but I think he might do like a little gravity of the tights or something like something something subtly something cheaty. Yeah, not like super 
must twirl your mustache, I'm a bullet club heel now, but rather something like... Uh, <laughs> so you're saying he's not going to come out with, like, freshly shaved arms so he can do the chainsaw, and he's not going to spray the hair, the, cold, the, the icy hot stuff in, in Paige's face. And he's uh, going to start brushing himself. He's not going to stick a flag up Paige's ass. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. These are all Kenny Bullet Club strats. <laughs> the famous Kenny Omega uh, playbook right there. Yeah. The wonderful IWGP Junior Heavyweight title reign. It was, first of all, it was a good run. Was it? I remember, I remember like, so vehemently defending everything he did, because I was like, no, it's good, I swear. Uh, well, at least he, he actually did good stuff in New Japan, so you don't have to defend the bad stuff anymore. I don't know. You can let it go. You can be like, oh, the Bullet Club <laughs> cheating stuff is really annoying, and they do it too much. I had to defend it because it was like the first time I could see Kenny consistently since he became my favorite wrestler in like 2008. So I was like, all right, Kenny, please. I'm just going to pretend everything you're doing is great. And then it it worked out. It all worked out. Uh, The vindication that I felt on the new beginning show where he beat Tanahashi for the IC title. Mm. The absolute vindication. I was like, yeah, he can still go. John Moxley cut a promo on uh, Eddie Kingston. You know, it's a remarkable idea that they're just like, hey, we have these two guys in our pay-per-view main event. You can cut really good promos. So every week, we're just going to let them cut really good promos. It's a very novel idea. And they're just going back and forth on each other. It's like, wrestling's not that hard. You know? It's like, there, there's it's times... Like, it's, it's really not. Where it's like, doing it for a long time is quite difficult I'll give you that because like coming up with unique angles for everybody week in week out cycling people up and down and doing it without getting bored because I think that's where a lot of the wacky stuff comes from I think that's why you need to surround yourself with like a good group of people so it's not all on you to make all those decisions yeah but like booking like not quite by the numbers but like straight laced down the middle pro wrestling that usually works and is actually very effective I think can be like creatively stagnating sometimes and that's the reason you get like Chris Jericho who will veer from like doing really good serious stuff to really bad debate stuff because he just wants to amuse himself eventually he doesn't want to do the same stuff over and over again and these are very creative people who want different creative outlets but you do have to slap the reins on yourself you gotta be like no you're not allowed you do good stuff don't do bad stuff <laughs> it's, I don't know maybe there should always just be like one Jim Cornette type not Jim Cornette but one Jim Cornette type around to just be like eh, maybe we don't do that yeah just the person that's there to be the the, the other uh, devil on your shoulder or the angel on your shoulder I guess in this instance there needs to be there needs to be the uh, the wet blanket yes uh, Kingston also cut a promo before his match at Matt Seidel my favourite part of which the the cameraman began to get in the ring and Kingston was like no get out you're not welcome here you didn't earn being in here my favourite thing was he told the cameraman he's like I know that they told you to get in here but no yeah <laughs> King's so good man get wrecked Tony you can't direct your cameraman <laughs> isn't it so crazy that like Kingston's gonna main event a major American pay-per-view when he wasn't even signed to a contract a little over three months ago he was still on the indies he showed up and now he's main eventing a major AEW pay-per-view it's mad it's insane and uh, like it's like guys like him that I'm just so happy for AEW (laughs) to exist Mm. just to give like major platforms to guys like Kingston Chuck Taylor, Colcabana, you know what I mean? Like, the guys who, like, earned it. Yeah. And the pe- the people who probably wouldn't have ever, like, ever, ever 
get a fair shake in WWE. And, and people who didn't, in some cases, in the case of Cole Cabana. Uh, these, these, mm. This is what AEW is for, these kind of people. To, to give them that platform. Because these people are very talented. Just that WWE is a terrible, bad company that can ever, ever promote somebody properly. Mm. Like, it's like... It, they have some of like, the biggest world beaters in WWE, and they, they still can't get that right. So let alone like someone who may have this thing or that thing, but are really good at this thing. Mm. Like, of course they're not going to be able to capitalize on it. They can't capitalize it on five tool players. Uh, Kingston beat uh, Matt Sydal in a pretty solid match. I thought it maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was the best showcase of Kingston, even if he had a good match. Yeah, he like gave Sydal a lot. Like, way too much. And he, like, he just hit him with the back fist and won in the end. Well, put him in the choke afterward, but... Mm. Is yeah, I thought he was he was too generous. King, you gotta be... Your main event of the pay-per-view. You gotta be greedy for once. I think, yeah, that was the problem. I was just like, ah, it was just a lot for Seidel. And I like Seidel. I think he should be on Dynamite a lot more than he is. Um, great gear. Mm. <laughs> Those tights are sweet. I want to wear them normally. Just as pants? Yeah. Open your third eye, wear your Matt Seidel pants. Exactly. <laughs> Open your third eye, wear your Matt Seidel pants. That's what everyone wants to do in the world. Which brings us on to the worst segment on this show. FTR and the Young Bucks. <sighs> Listen. Was this the worst segment on the show? <laughs> uh, maybe I'll revolve. Actually, no, there was a debate. Oh, no. Which was worse? Uh, the debate I didn't expect to be good. Uh, the FTR Young Bucks feud I expect something of, and it's really bad. So I will stick with it being the worst part of the show. They just it, it could have been like a two minute segment that was just stretched out. Like they lost me immediately because the first thing FTR talked about was, Oh, I'm gonna upset the internet saying this. I'm like, Would you shut up? Would you do Who are you, Pat McAfee? Would you do anything just that relates to your characters and your story? Can you get out yeah. of here with the meta nudge nudge wink wink bullshit that constantly mm. permeates literally every single thing they do? For a team that's like, we're the old school southern wrestling tag team. Could you imagine the Rocket Roll Express doing this nudge nudge wink wink bullshit in like 1985? No! <laughs> I really wish the Rock and Roll Express had a Twitter at the time. Or like, like the Brainbusters with Bobby Heaton just talking about Dave Meltzer's star ratings. It wouldn't happen. Why don't you emulate that <laughs> part of it? These, the, the serious part of these teams. Like, come on. I mean, I don't know. It just, it all comes across as um, not taking the best aspects to derive from. You know what I mean? I'm just so sick. Of, I'm so sick. Every time they open their mouth, they're like, the real tag team wrestling. Mark's on the internet. Dave Meltzer doesn't give us star ratings. We're going to make everybody on it. It's like relentless. I want to care. I'm curious about what FTR's star ratings are. You as a tag team, I want to care about you against the Young Bucks, which should be one of the biggest tag team matches in North American history. It's a match that people were sold on five years ago. Well, probably three, three, four years ago. Either way, for a very long time. And now that you're delivering it, now that you're building to this program, it stinks. Like, I don't know why I should root for any of these people. The Young Bucks were obnoxious and annoying Tony Schiavone two weeks ago, and now Bat's the valiant babyface who's overcoming a leg injury to fight against the dastardly FTR. And I'm like, why should I suddenly cheer for this guy when he was a jerk two weeks ago and he just got beat up so I'm supposed to like him? And how am I... I don't, I don't know. Go on and watch FTR because they have boring tag team matches and their last pay-per-view tag team match was the, like the biggest snooze fest in the history of tag team wrestling. Thank God Hagman Adam Page was there to save it. I'm just sick of these two and they're bullshit. 
Go out there and have good matches. Start backing it up. Stop. It's, it's all words. It's no action. Sounds like you're getting worked, brother. I'm getting worked. I'm sick of it. I'm getting worked up. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, for the record, uh, FTR have six matches ranked four and a half stars or higher by Dave Meltzer. So Dave Meltzer does, in fact, like the revival. Actually, no. Uh, oh, no. I was going to say how many does FTR have, but they definitely have that. Dave gave, like, four and a half stars. Three. To that uh, dumbass... Um, <laughs> AW has they have three in AW like like Dave's rating like usually I'm like oh you know I get why he gave that rating or blah 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 but Dave's rating of FTR against Hangman and Kenny is just four and a half four and a half stars for that absolute boring heatless match is I think I, it went, I, I went like three and a half <laughs> I think I was like I liked it no you're wrong get out of course their big four and three quarter star match Cash Wheeler Dex Howard Matt Jackson Nick Jackson versus Pentagon Ray the Butcher and the Blade. You got some wacky Young Bucks and Lucha Bros action in there, and it got 400 quarters of that. Because, <laughs> you know, the one of the be- actual best teams in the world, the Lucha Bros, who could barely make it onto the show at the best of times. Lucha Bros. Hey, man, they've been a big focus the last two weeks. They were put into one tournament. They do not get credit for being put into one tournament. Yeah. They did. They gave them story elements. What more do you want? Only because one of them got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> story elements came up by accident. Yeah, that's what you need. Uh... Oh, the debate. Oh, all right. The debate. Uh, once again, I'm still like super over Judas. The Judas sing along is, is is cliche and annoying. It's only good with people. Yeah, and like it's it's you can't do it every week, Chris. You just can't stand there and wait. And you see, my problem is if he organically incorporated the Judas into his entrance, I'd be probably okay with it. But the fact that, like, he, every, for the last, like, three times, he gets to the ring and he has to stand there looking at the crowd waiting out, like, the last 20 seconds of Judas. And mm. I'm like, no, stand on the stage longer. Make it a longer, elaborate production of an entrance. Do something that gets them all the way to the Judas in, Judas in my mind. Well, I remember he was saying on the podcast, he's like, they're supposed to sing it twice and people stop singing it. So he's like, I'm gonna make them. Typical. Typical Jericho. Get it? He's, he's, well, he gets a shit in more than Brian Cage does. <laughs> but you know what? He should. Well, you do hate Brian Cage. Who can stop the path of Cage? Uh, Jericho and MJF had their town hall thing. Um, it was really long. It was really long. It was like Eric Bischoff asked three questions. What are we doing? What's the point of this? Yeah, I I don't know. I really liked the <clears throat> I really liked the Ortiz promo at the end. Mm. Where he like gets real amped up, and I like that him and Sammy were both like, "We don't like you." Still, the question is, why is Santana on the on the fence though? It's he in- he liked the jacket. Oh, that's true. See, he was wearing the gift this week while the other two were not. Well, Sammy's is far too large for him. It's understandable. Poor Sammy. So yeah, <laughs> are they going to split up LAX? If they split up, which... <laughs> Santana's going to go with M. Jeff. Uh, if they I don't think they'll do that. But if they actually did, I would literally write them off as crazy people who don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that point is just insane. Um, yeah, this whole thing was long. I didn't like the Luchasaurus bit. I liked the Britt Baker bit actually. Britt once again making bad material and a rebel in fairness making bad material yeah. work. Um, I didn't mind the Peter bit because it was short. <laughs> sure. I like Tony telling Jericho to shut up. Everyone wants to say it. <laughs> Yep. Uh, well, like, I I don't think you can really do political satire anymore for the simple point that the sat like politics is too absurd 
in its own right to actually no, satirize yeah, you're it. N- you're never, you're never going to get crazier than actual politics in this day and age. It's just too ridiculous. Like, you cannot satirize it. It's like, nothing you can do is more absurd than anything that's happening in the world. So why, don't do mm. political satire. It's just, there's no point. And they're out here doing town halls and debates. And why is the MJF still doing, like, weird political stuff? I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think it's because it's just... He looks so much like someone who should be doing political stuff. And he does look like a young Republican, doesn't he? Like, Yeah, that's that's what I said that the other week. That's what his gimmick is. And that, like, like if, if he was a young Republican, his Twitter profile would be like just him smoking a cigar, because that appears to be what they all are for some reason. They're very obsessed that's... with cigars, those people. Cigars are gross, man. I legitimately, very few things turn me off more in the world than cigars. I'm just like, Ugh. I don't like them. I've also never had a cigar. I just don't like the aura of cigar. Yeah, and like they're this weird symbol of like I'm an old, powerful man in my forties. You know, that just mm. kind of turns me off in a very weird way. I don't like it. But mm. yeah, it's 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 interesting. If we, I'm only now getting around to the fact that they did in fact make Chris Jericho versus MJF for full gear, which is, as you mentioned, less interesting than the the Ortiz part of this promo. Yeah, but you know, it's a big match. And it has been promoted. I'll give them that. They build up to it. Even if I don't like it, and well, don't really want to see the match, they have built up to it. I gotta admit, though, I am curious about the result. Uh, clearly, it's where uh, everybody turns on Jericho, and he's booted out of the inner circle. That's Yeah, okay, fine. That's an interesting thing to see. And Jericho could use that baby face turn at this stage, because he's weird. Jericho is saved by Wardlow and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, but then... I oh, know, Sammy will be deleted at that point. That's true. He will be ultimately deleted, or elite. Uh, he'll it will be an elite deletion. He'll be elited. Yes, that's the way it works. And then, yeah, Wardlow will make the big save, and then we'll get the big Wardlow Jericho pairing, mm. which is much better than Wardlow Hager. <laughs> Sorry, Jericho Hager. Well, Wardlow is better than Hager in every regard. Certainly more handsome. Except they don't have a good pun name. What was Hager's good pun name? <laughs> I just called them J and J insecurity. Oh yeah, that was quite good. Well done. Mm. I can't think of one for Wardlow and Jericho, but I'll work on it. Yeah, that's, that's your homework for next week. I'm sure Jericho has a, a song title with the word "war" in it. Liam is now looking up the Fozzy back catalog for songs with war. Fozzy war. He has a song called uh, "Do You Want a War?" Do you want to start a war? So do you want to start a Wardlow? Ah, perfect. That's that's the team name. Forever and they better use picture. that song. <laughs> I imagine like Jericho's song is basically just him going, "Do you want to start a war?" And then like from there it'll just go like, "War, <laughs> this is war." <laughs> oh wait, Jericho covering "This is War." Yeah. Oh my god, that would be the best. He'd be the biggest star in the world. Fozzie doing a cover of an AEW theme. Fozzie should sing all of the AEW themes. <sighs> Fozzie becomes the new, like, CFO money. Yeah, do a remake, do the Fozzie version of Kenny's theme. <laughs> Just Jericho. I hear a battle girl. Like how, in my head, Jericho sings like a South Park character. The the, the Fozzie version of Cody's theme, of course. Oh, that gave me shudders. <laughs> I, I, I want him to cover Brandy's theme. The Fozzie version of I'm the going Lucha Bros theme. I want the Lucha Bros. <laughs> <laughs> just him screaming Lucha Bro Zero Miedo yeah. <laughs> Meet us in the room <laughs> Who has a rap though? Him doing Hager's rap theme um, 
best friends, of course. That would be a good one. <laughs> it's just him going, best friends. Yeah. This, this is what AEW needs. This is the musical shift that AEW needs. This is what they should be going. If they ever do, like, a, a Jericho's in charge of AEW, like, episode, they should definitely make him do all the things. <laughs> do it live as well. Have him sitting in the sound yeah. of the ring. Have the band there. Have Fozzy playing the entire time. Uh, Cody defeated Orange Cassidy to retain the TNT Championship with a weird finish in which John Silver kind of just... Because uh, uh, the John Silver part was fine, because John Silver uh, attacked Orange Guy, hit him with a boot, and then Cody... Uh, pin him with a crossroads but the weird part was Aaron Anderson threw a punch at Orange Cassidy afterward which was like they kind of glanced over that and they didn't make it a part of the story we were meant to only focus on like the John Silver interference because it sets up a buy-in match for full gear but it's like mm-hmm. are we just going to gloss over the fact that Aaron Anderson threw a punch at him and Cody's the baby face maybe that's going to be like a subtle thing or maybe it'll be like many of the things in AEW that just don't go anywhere until like five weeks when they decide it's going somewhere again that's fair that's storytelling, Gary. You just don't understand. It's the slow build, yeah. It's the slow build, baby. But yeah, I mean, I'm re- I thought this was better than their big draw. Mm. And mainly because it was eight minutes shorter. Mm. And I'm also pretty excited for John Silver Orange Cassidy, so... It's going to be the best match on full gear. It might be. Uh, Cody's TNT title run. It's weird. Which one? This one. I mean, he's had two title defenses. It's true. It's only really just started. You know what AEW loves? Um, it's fans. Just people sitting in the crowd watching. <laughs> yeah, it's their favorite thing. Because they got so many seats to work with at the moment. So, like, at least, like, twice a week they just cut to it. And sometimes it doesn't even go anywhere. Because there was, like, a couple of weeks where they cut to Kazarian watching tag matches. And, like, it just never went anywhere. We never mentioned it again. Of course, Orange Cassidy, or, or the other one, Darby Allen, makes sense sitting in the crowd because he's facing Cody at the pay-per-view. But in a match that has, like, remarkably little build. Maybe it's just meant to set up atmosphere. Former champs are watching what's going on, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Just trying to set up the everyone scouting everyone. I think it's usually like, all right, what do we do with Darby on this show to push it toward the, the pay-per-view? How about we just have him sit in the crowd watching Cody? Yeah, okay, that'll do. That's what Lance did this week. Yeah, so people just watching on from the crowd. Yeah, the Darby match, it it, it it feels like it should either be like an Orange Cassidy third match with Cody or more ideally, like it should be the the, the Brody Lee Cody blow off on this show. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one because like after this match, they had a big schmoz in which the gun club ran them off to set up Cody in the gun club against the Dark Order next week. Again, on the go- uh, next week is the go-home, isn't it? Before Full Gear. And it's like... It feels like Darby and like Hobbs should be teaming up against Starks and Cage or something. Yeah, because it feels like they're like, okay, Darby's the match. How are we going to build it up? I don't know. Let's just do some matches with Orange Cassidy. <laughs> How are we going to build up? We're not. <laughs> He's going to sit in the crowd. He's, that's the key. He's going to sit in the crowd and get beat up. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network by team taz on dark maybe that's the big swerve <laughs> cody will join team taz yeah and Will Hobbs will be devastated because he was going to take the spot, but then he's like, no, Will Hobbs, we got a new person instead. Wrestling has more than one royal family. <laughs> royal family. And it's the fuzzy <laughs> version. <laughs> no, I can't even do dad rock. The, the dad, because the Cody song is already dad rock. Yeah. <laughs> he just does the wrestling is more than one royal family. Yeah. Uh, Trent uh. and Chuck were backstage when Miro and Kip Sabian showed up and they were very mad and they gave him a gift, which was the... Uh, the board of the arcade machine they blew up and then they beat him up there you go yeah i like miro when he's just beating dudes up i like i don't know man (laughs) like it feels pretty simple like just drop the video game subtext and just have miro beat dudes up he looks really good when he does that so big he's such a large but like he looks so cool when he's beating dudes on this show (laughs) like what yeah it just, I don't know, it strikes me as like, they had to get him, <laughs> but they didn't particularly have anything ready for when he got here. <laughs> so this is what they go for. Yeah. It's so strange. I really, like, it's so strange that this is what he's doing on this show. It's like what we were talking about with Ward, though, where it's like, the clock has started with Miro, and eventually you're gonna have to just, like, it's fine, if this is his first, like, feud and he just beats the best friends and then they move on to something more substantial they may be able to like save it but they can't keep him doing like comedy mid-card stuff if they actually want to try him as a main eventer at any point well we're gonna get the tag team feud of kip sabian and miro against ftr and it's gonna be about shut up internet games (laughs) you shut up don't put that into the world 
Serena Deeb, the new NWA Women's Champion, defeated Layla Hirsch uh, to retain that championship in a really good match. Layla Hirsch is great. I really like Layla Hirsch. She's she's great. They should get her. Yeah. They they desperately need her. Yeah. Though I feel like this happens a lot on Dynamite, where like a woman shows up and we're like, they should get her. And then sometimes they do get her, and then nothing changes. Because like the freaking title match on the pay-per-view is Nyla Rose against Sheeta. And like Nyla Rose has barely been on Dynamite for like months. And, yeah. like, they were building up Britt Baker in what a way that felt like they were setting up a title challenger. And then they're like, nah, it's Nyla Rose. I'm like, it's weird. Why can't we just build these matches up? I felt like they were setting up another Thunder Rosa match. And that uh, Thunder Rose has just weirdly gone. She lost the, uh, the NWA Women's Championship. People thought she was bound, WWE bound, but apparently she's still contracted to the NWA until next year. She has, a, like, an MMA fight coming up, I think. Oh, well, there you go. Good luck to her. Is she fighting Jake Hager? Fuck. <sighs> <laughs> they, they should do that I'd love to see Thunder Rosa beat the shit out of Jay Hager intergender MMA that's that's the new push as long as we're in the same weight division sure Layla Hirsch look great sign her yeah um, did you watch the Sheeta match I didn't it's dark it's Come better on. than this it's really good I'll see Layla Hirsch on Dynamite again in like I don't know six months after she's on Dark Punch. And, you, and you'll never know who's, who's uh, commentating that match too by the way uh, which one uh, Miro is commentating the Layla Hirsch <laughs> Hikaru Sheeta match why <laughs> because it was a Russian lady, you see. Ah, but he's Bulgarian. Yeah, but, but uh, Lana, the whole bit was that she was Russian. <sighs> Sean Spears won a squash. <laughs> I don't respect this bitch. Sure did. I don't respect AEW. <laughs> I don't respect this uh, squash after Kenny did a better one the day before. Oh, the week before. Hey, Sean Spears is a very wrestler. He is a very wrestler. He's a very wrestler. Got good tights. That's all you need. AW can put that on that poster. Sean Spears. Very wrestler. Mm. He's doing this thing with Scorpio Sky. Do you think that's a pay-per-view match? No, that's next week. Oh, well, poor guys. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, like, <laughs> um, Sky's, like, post-match attack. I actually got me, like, kind of into it. I was like, all right, let's go. I'm down for Sean Spears' Scorpio Sky match now. Why? What is with their disguises? I don't understand their disguises. Was it Manta? Was that the point of this? Because there was last week with the weird, pointless Tully Blanchard disguise, and now this week with the weird, pointless Scorpio Sky disguise. Why do they keep disguising people? What was Scorpio's plan if Spears just went to the back? <laughs> or, like, if Spears, instead of throwing him to the ring, just decked him. This weird yeah. bull guy, and just punch him in the face. <laughs> like, what if he just... Didn't even notice him. Yeah, his elaborate plan was that he was going to don a bull hat, stand at ringside, shout at Sean Spears, get Sean Spears' attention, have be thrown into the ring by Sean Spears, wait until Sean Spears turned his back, and then reveal himself as Scorpio Sky and attack Sean mm. Spears. Clearly he should have like just worn like a Tully mask. <laughs> that would have made more sense. Mm. Very, very weird choice, but... Hey, it got me excited for the match, so... There you go, that's your... Wrestling's dumb. That's on your big go-home show, along with Chris Jericho on commentary next week. So, shouting a lot. Next week kind of sucks. (laughs) Like, next week isn't as good as the last two weeks of AEW's uh, on paper. It's a go-home show, though. Got your Ortiz and Sammy against MJF. It has a Wardlow match, you should be happy. Which is like, you know, three Wardlow matches on Dynamite in a row. This is the golden and ratings are actually in the floor lately. So maybe maybe Wardlow's not the mega draw. They're not in the floor. They're not doing pretty well lately though. They're like seven hundred K. Yeah, but they were like eight hundred K. That's solid. 
Oh no, <laughs> massive drop. Yeah, falling apart. Maybe AEW is just too good. Uh, next week also we'll have Miro and Trent, Sean Spears and Scorpio Sky, Cody, Miro and Trent's kind of cool against uh, the Dark Order team of John Silver, Cole Cabana, and Press Ten Vance. I bet um, Miro and Trent will be actually pretty good. Probably, I don't know. Probably be like a an arcade machine. They'll actually end up fighting in Pac Man or something. That you should, that would rule. <laughs> Kenny Omega defeated uh, Pent... And I'm never going to call him Pentel, uh, Pentel Zero. I'm, I'm sorry. Pentagon to, to advance to the finals of the Eliminator Tournament in a really darn good match. These are good... Right, Pen- Pentagon in his third match. Or is this his second match, I think? I think this was his second match. No, third? Second or third match on Dynamite anyway. Well, it's a singles match. He's had plenty of tags. Yeah, he's all right. He's a good wrestler. Who knew? Hmm. Yeah. It's a Pentagon guy. He has a... An aura about him, eh? Yeah, he's like, kid has a future. He might actually go places if he actually got a push. Hmm. <laughs> him or his brother. <laughs> uh, I didn't quite like... He did the arm snap, which I think is a really cool move. But it's a death blow. Come on, sell it. Well, Kenny sold it throughout the rest of the match. He but then he like just won with the one-wing angel. That was the, that was annoyed me. Like, yeah. He, he countered the one-wing angel into the, the, the arm snap, did the arm snap. Then which Exc- was a sick counter. And Excalibur was like, oh, now he might not be able to use the one-wing <laughs> angel. And he just used the one-wing angel anyway. I wish Kenny had to, like, fight with it or something. You know what I mean? Or, like, um, he did an arm work match, I think, with Saber, where he was going for it, realized he couldn't reach for it because his arm hurt, and he swapped Saber to the other shoulder and did it like a reverse version mm. so like he's he, he's done it before he knows how to like incorporate the arm work into the finish he just decided not to despite pentagon's arm snap being like a death blow in lucha underground and a death blow in impact but not in aw it's a transitional spot in mm. aw but to be fair it's tjp's been doing it on impact every match tjp's not pentagon though that's true but kenny advances good main event good dynamite even though i, yeah. I feel we picked more holes in it while watching it it's one of those shows that maybe I didn't enjoy as much talking about that I did watching. Well, I think it's, like, it was a fun watch, but, like, if you start scraping away some of the stuff, like, the underlayers of it were flawed. Yeah, but it, it did at least, have, like, Kenny Penta, Cody and Orange, and Wardlow against Kangman were all three uh, good to very good matches, so I think that's mm. perhaps why watching it live, you're like, oh, this is a good show, but then you look at it, it's like, mm, does this work? I don't know, but the matches are good, so you got that going for you. I think... There's, there's also a chance that we might get Penta and Phoenix on All Out, which would be sick. Uh, is if Phoenix, Phoenix isn't dead. Yeah, is Phoenix healthy enough? I, maybe? I don't know. If he's pulled out of this match... Though I suppose they were taping this match it's the same two week weeks. as the... Um, yeah. So that's maybe why they took a precautionary measure at Phoenix. We will see. That's Dynamite taking us on to NXT, which is Halloween Havoc Spooky Times. Ooh. <laughs> Last year, AEW, we had Sands on the Halloween episode. We had... JR saying wubba dubba lubba wubba lubba dub dub <laughs> which was the the wonderful times we had uh, Rick and Morty yeah. show up so AW yeah. completely backed really... out of Halloween this year well I'm guessing that Abaddon was the Halloween segment ah yes and then they had to cut her segment because she got hurt so all the spookiness went with her yeah well and we also Penelope did dress up as orange which was nice and there was a man in the crowd with a banana costume so there was some <laughs> Uh, yeah, on Impact, he got a, a hardcore Halloween match between Brian Myers and, and Tommy Dreamer. He got some ca- candy corn spots. So Halloween spirit lives in Impact. Classic. And of course, NXT fully embraced the Halloween theme. You got to admire it, don't you? 
returning Halloween Havoc, which I, I actually enjoyed the, the theming of this show quite a lot. Because they, 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 in a rare... It made it in, feel like a big deal. In a rare instance on WWE television, they committed to it. They actually like, we're going to go all in on this thing. Yeah, it was good shit. We opened with uh, the spinning of the wheel to make the deal, which revealed a Devil's Playground match for Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest, in which Johnny Gargano defeated Damian Priest to win the NXT North American Championship, which resulted in my favorite commentary line, maybe of all time, uh, where Vic Joseph was like, how ironic that Johnny Gargano used the assist of a wheel to win the NXT North American Championship. And I'm uh, like, yes. I love Vic Joseph's cadence in how he speaks. <laughs> He was also. Oh, this is a very important question, Liam, because uh, Vic Joseph was dressed as Wally from the famous series Where is Wally? Yes. Which in America Wally. is called Where's Waldo, which is very upsetting. What the fuck? Get out of here. I know. So I was, I was making sure Australia was also called Where's Wally. No, we, we are firmly in the Wally camp. And it's like, it's a British book, so Wally is correct. Americans decided Wally was just an incorrect name and changed it to Waldo? What the hell is a Waldo? What the fuck is a Waldo? It's very upsetting. I don't know, man. I don't trust Americans at all. <laughs> they ruin everything. I don't trust their takes on chocolate. I don't t- trust their Waldos. Well, American chocolate basically has no chocolate in it. It sucks. It's the worst. It's the worst thing in the world, all right? It's the worst. It sucks, and you're bad at it, and none of you know what you're doing when it comes to chocolate. That's my take. I did quite a, I thought it was a very good Where's Wally costume. He, he actually looked very yeah, convincingly he... Wally. And I gotta admit, like... It was a solid bit having Wade just wear the same suit, but have his mallet. He has his gavel, which he'll bang the desk, and he's bad news buried. He did the catchphrase as well, so that's all you need. Yeah. A commitment to the bit. Gargano won with the interference from the, the Scream Mask person. Who is Indy Hartwell, I assume? Well, in fact, actually, I would love if it's Indy Hartwell, because the person looked way too big to be Indy Hartwell. Yeah. But if you watch the Scream uh, movies, all the time the person looks way too big to be the person that's actually revealed as. So that would actually be a nice bit of attention to detail to Scream lore. Yeah. If they if they had it revealed on the day, my heart would have said David Arquette. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if it was David Arquette? They, that would, like, if they had it revealed it on the Halloween episode and it was a one-shot deal, David Arquette would fit in perfectly with Johnny and Candace. Like, can you imagine two NXT stables, the Pat McAfee's group of... <laughs> Those three only Lord, uh, Birch Lorcan oh, no. thing, and then David Arquette's group of Indy Hartwell, Johnny Gargano, and Candice LeRae. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's like one of those shitty memes where it's like, which table would you sit with? I would definitely sit at the Johnny Gargano David Arquette table. Yeah, the other table is just two dude bro. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the match goes, I was, I was actually kind of disappointed in it. <laughs> uh, their takeover match was much better, but I thought it did the yeah. job. It was a nice little false cut anywhere match. Johnny Gargano super kicked a skeleton, and which you pointed out, he leg slapped when he super kicked a skeleton. <laughs> he slapped his leg, super kicking the skeleton. <laughs> which logically makes very little sense, because the leg slap is to be like, you know, hitting flesh, and skeletons don't yeah. have flesh. That's why it made me laugh so much. It's very good, I love Johnny. I- I didn't really like the the little like catering section that they did at this match. I thought that was pretty boring. Mm. But like the the first when they initially when they initially went out into the crowd, I was like, first of all, I was like, oh, oh, oh. and then they um threw Johnny onto a table a bunch, which was pretty sweet. And then yeah, they did the spots on top of the spin the wheel, make the deal platform. Yeah. Put some sweet knocking people off the platforms into graveyards, I guess. Yeah, there was a lot of graveyard action on this show. Johnny is the new champion. A decision I'm actually fully on. Like, I, I think Priest should actually move up. Priest should be elevated now. Yeah. Yeah. Priest could be the next world champ. Johnny has been very good in the show. I mean, he's the, he's yeah. been carrying the show lately, so he should be a champion. Yeah. 
And with like le- legitimately though, in this match, I was all in on Priest the entire time. Oh, I thought he was really good in this match. Well, you just said you were disappointed in this match. In that it wasn't like you know a four and a half star work kind of match. You know what I mean? But as far as like the actual spots and being smooth and stuff like that, I thought Priest was really good and came across looking good. He's one of the few uh, NXT guys who's done his best work in NXT. Well done. Yeah. Love. <laughs> big Priest boy. Yeah, big Punishment Martinez being like, whoa, blowing people away in NXT. Who would have thunk it? Shout out Nightclub Alistair Black. Actually, no, sorry. He was Alistair Black who fucks. Mm. That's which one he was. He could also be Nightclub Alistair Black who fucks. Just put them together. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little wordy, but... I mentioned my tracksuit match idea on Twitter, and somebody pointed out that, like, imagine Damien Priest's tracksuit. would be majestic. Oh, I'd be, he'd be cool as fuck. Yeah. That's a cool dude. Although, downgrade on the gear, I will say. He had a cool entrance, though. Yeah, he did. He had a real cool entrance. But I gotta admit, I'm much more of a fan of th- showing a bit of the leg in there, Priest. Mm. The fishnet, or whatever, equivalent. Bring it back. Okay, the Grimes stuff in the lead up to it, he it's a real shame he's actually really good at this role. <laughs> it's very upsetting. It's his voice, like his voice, he'll never get put, he has the country like cartoon over the top voice and he'll yeah. never be pushed because of it because people for some reason think nobody can take someone who sounds like that seriously. He really reminds me a lot of WCW Jericho because mm. like Jericho would have the same kind of inflection on his comedy stuff too. And, like, I said to you in in Twitter, like, couldn't you imagine him literally doing this haunted house stuff? (laughs) Yes. With... Who would he he have done it with? Well, in my head, it was Vampiro. But that might be too cartoony for Vampiro. Uh, Stick La Parca. He would have done it with La Parca. Yes! And it would be, like, a Dios de los Muertes? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. It'd be like that. That would have actually ruled back in, like, 97 WCW. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, Jericho would have, like... So... Hopefully they can learn from that and have him take the Jericho like pathway of being comedy but also being serious when he needs to be. So you're saying he has to leave and go to the competitor to finally be pushed. <laughs> yeah. You know, even then Actually? it took him way too long to be pushed. But anyway. Didn't he like win the title like in his second month? <laughs> well he did the fake For out. one night. Yeah. He didn't actn win the title until he won both in one night. Which was which is... about a year into his run. Oh, no. <laughs> Clock's ticking. Mm. Or no, was it two years? No, it was, about two, it was about two years into his run. Never mind. It was the end of 2001. Oh, well, I think it worked out. Yeah, that main event against Triple H was good for him. Yeah, Isn't man. it weird that, like, Chris Jericho, for his entire, like, run, was always, like, the fourth top heel and the fourth <laughs> top guy? And really, he's just, a, like, a story, an example of persistence. That, like, everyone above him retired, and eventually he reached the stage where he was, like, the only guy from his era still around working regularly, and, like, by default became a top star. It probably helps, though, that he was younger in that peak, which just gave him more longevity. You know, Edge is younger than him, but Edge got injured. Is Edge younger than him? I think Edge is either younger than him or the same age. Yeah, he would be younger, because Jericho's turning 50. Whereas Edge, I think, is, like, 46 or something. Mm-hmm. First of all, no one's touching uh, Suzuki as the best over fifties wrestler. No, not even so close. They can they they can both step back. But I really do find it interesting. Like Jericho spent his entire career as the guy who was below at least three or four people, and he just waited it out. And everyone under above mm-hmm. him retired, and now he's this big star. Yeah, it's like hell of a career on him. I forgot Edge blocked me on Twitter. 
Good times. Oh, no. Is it because you talk shit about his long match? Yes, uh, I think I... No, to be fair, if you go back and read my tweets about the greatest match ever, I actually thought it was actually a really good match. I just thought the production of it was really obnoxious. Speaking of production being really obnoxious... I was going to say, sounds like WWE. They brought it back for this show with the freaking crazy... Like, AEW had obnoxious crowd noise this week, and then NXT is like, let's take it to a different level. Well, it was weird because, like, they were quiet for the first half. (laughs) Yeah, they were in stunned silence when Pat McAfee came out and introduced his new stable of Orny Lorcan and Danny Burch. That shit was great. <laughs> Pat's the best. I don't get a hold back. He's still a dickhead and I don't like him. <laughs> but as a heel, he's great. And they, re- I assume they retconned it. Maybe they did intend to do it, but they, uh, they they put the story together quite well where he approached Lorcan and Burch, offered it to them his yeah. services. They turned him down. Then, after he saw what they did to his actual investment, uh, Ridge Holland, he's like, I need them... But, the, uh, but then they lost to uh, Undisputed Year and were like, oh, we finally need your leadership. Pat yeah. McAfee, come save us. Yeah, I, I, I think this shit's uh, good work. And it just helps that Pat talks like a human being and not like a robot. Yes, if you remember Dan Lambert from 2017, he reminds me a lot of Dan Lambert. Yeah, because like, I, I, I like the distinction I made with you was like, I think like he has like the, the perfect amount of like smarm that Dan did. Mm-hmm. But where Dan was, like, better at going over the top with it, I think Pat's a better storyteller while doing it. It's that uh, talk radio experience. It teaches you how to tell stories. Probably. <laughs> but uh, I hope Pat just keeps... Expa- like, It's funny, like, Pat's literally going to start doing, like, the Robert Stone brand, but, like, better. <laughs> but, like, serious and actual, like, a main yeah. event stable. Good good stuff. It, it, it is weird seeing, like, Oni and Birch, like, wearing suits. <laughs> They, yeah, they look they look well. I think they look okay. It just it's like it doesn't really suit them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we were asking last week who was the if they did the potential four games that I set in a set up in my head, who would the fourth man mm. be? They answered that question. The fourth man is uh what's his name? <laughs> Pete Dunn, there we go, I forgot his name, Brad. Just I, I had to say it. Uh O'Reilly came out, he was like, I'm gonna fight you guys, but then Pete Dunn came out with chairs and he's like he handed one to O'Reilly and they were gonna fight uh the, the yet to be named Pat McAfee stable before Pete turned on Kyle O'Reilly and hit him with a chair. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Pete's looking good. Pete's looking in very good shape. And thank God he's not stuck in NXT UK. I was going to say, yeah, fair. Um, I, I, I did watch that tag that everyone was talking about. From what? And it's good. Uh, NXT UK. <laughs> Don't you lie to me. Talking it's good. about People talking about NXT UK. You pretend yeah, like it, something from that it show It was done in Elia versus Walter and um, Wolf. Don't you. It's good. Where's Tyler Bate? Is he wrestling on that show? He's not wrestling on any of those shows. What's wrong with him? I don't know. Is he injured? Is he just not doing stuff? Was he cancelled? I don't think so. He hasn't wrestled since March. Maybe he's just given up. <laughs> I wouldn't blame him. Maybe he was Maybe he's waiting for that contract to run out, baby. Uh, Santos Escobar defeated uh, Jake Atlas. And again, once Great again... Grey Ray tights. Uh, yes, Grey Ray, he wore the, the question mark tights from the Halloween Havoc. Well, they weren't the tights themselves, but tights inspired by the question mark tights from Halloween Havoc, which is quite cool. I gotta admit, like... Despite not being a country that celebrates Halloween, I think Halloween Havoc has to be, like, one of the all-time pay-per-view best names. Hmm. It's so good. You don't celebrate Halloween? No. What? It's not a thing here. Like, not at all? I mean, it's... In the last, like, five years, it's slowly become a little bit of a thing, but... So, like, you don't go trick-or-treating? No. So you didn't grow up going trick-or-treating? No. Why don't you have Halloween? 
We've never gone trick or treating. It's not a thing here. But like, uh, 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 how does it not like? I'm very confused because like, there's a lot of like Irish people who, who formed Australia. To better wow. or worse. Wow. But like my point what being, the fuck? we sent all our convicts down there and they didn't take Halloween with them. I don't know. Is Halloween an Irish thing? Yeah. Oh. I just assumed it was American. It goes back to like ancient Celtic harvest festivals. Samhain. The festival of Samhain. Well, we don't do it. And like Americans have ruined it because they've fully Americanized it in annoying American ways. But <laughs> wow. Why don't you have Halloween? We don't... Well, I mean, like, we, we know that it exists, and, like, some kids do it now. I think as the younger generation starts taking over, um, it'll start to happen. Is there, like, some traditionalist Australian shouting about how the foreign cultures are and they're getting rid of our oh, Australian yes. traditions? Yeah. Inflicting Halloween yes. on us? Yeah, but it's... And the, there's a lot of general anti-American sentiment in Australia. Because we are... We do take so much from their culture and their identity. That, um, you know, there is blowback. But unfortunately, it's always blowback on the fun things. And it's never blowback on the other stuff. Like yeah, Halloween isn't even Corrupting American. our media. There you go. You, it's, 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 it's from, well, it might have pagan roots, but it's traditionally thought to be uh, Celtic. And there you go. I'll head the Halloween movement. Probably not this year. Well, my mind has been blown. Aren't our cultures so varied? Escobar won. I'm not. I'm still not sure. Like I get. Like Escobar's been put over strong, and he's one of the better acts on the show. But like he has no contenders. That's a bit of a problem. Mm. I don't know, man. Speaking of people in suits, Wild and Mendoza look very good in suits. Also, they had amazing face paint. They did. It was like perfectly faded into like like from the, from the corners. You know what I mean? Mm. It was very impressive. Amber Moon. The full sale art um, makeup students <laughs> killing it today. Ember Moon, uh, she had a package where she was like, Dakota Kai was a kid when I was here, but now she's like a best-in-the-world star setting up their match next week. They should. They really should have just done a two-week Halloween Havoc deal. Well, next week, when's next Tuesday? Is it too far past? Uh, it's only three days past Halloween. So yeah, you could have done it. Hmm. They, they could have gone post-Halloween Havoc. Yeah, actually, we forgot to give Pat credit for one great line. Go on. He did say, Happy Halloween Havoc. Ah. That was a solid, solid line by Pat. Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis had a cinematic match. The House of Horrors, Haunted House of Horrors, so, sorry, man. Sorry, did they? I, I didn't see any of it <laughs> during the pitch black mess that this was. Yeah, and like the very overproduced music, but Cameron sold his ass off. He screamed the entire time. He was great during this. I also liked Loomis during this, to be fair. I just think it was a stupid concept. So Loomis, we're to assume, because, like, the, the zombies... And Why does he have superpowers? He controls the dead. That's what we're here to assume. He controls the dead. I'm so sick of, like, every dude who has, like, a creepy or a cultish gimmick in WWE just having superpowers. They did it with Bray Wyatt. He was just a, he was just a cult leader, and then he suddenly developed the power to shoot electricity. And burn houses. And be the fiend. And now Dexter, Dexter Loomis has control over zombies. He can raise the dead and, you know, have them do his bidding. Oh, God. They're going to do Dexter Loomis the fiend one day. It's going to be great, isn't it? Oh. Cameron Grimes tried to bang a zombie. <laughs> that was problematic. 
Um, you know what? No one, no one else got like worked up about this, but I found it extremely funny that there was a pristine, clean ceiling fan in this haunted house. <laughs> you, you did fixate on this detail. I thought it was so funny because like he's walking in here and he's like, "Oh man, it's, it's scary in here, man." And then like there was a perfect like pot plant <laughs> and a clean ceiling fan right above him. Who's not to say this is Dexter Loomis's house? That's what he. That's what he said. The implication was that it was Dexter Loomis's house. Yeah, so he's, he's he he likes to stay cool, which they live in Holly or Florida. Very understandable. <laughs> I like uh, uh, this whole thing. Like it was stupid, but at least it made me laugh. The, the problem with these segments when they do like these uh, the crazy stuff like this is you get all these people going. Well, that shoot was the best, and that's what makes that's what makes me hate these segments. Mm. But when they're just like so absurdly dumb that everyone doesn't try and make them out to be art. I'm like, yes, I'm all in on it. Yeah, wrestling should be dumb and stupid, and no one should take it. To- yeah, just when people like the dumb and stupid things, they're like, these are the best. It's like, no, stop rooting it. Yeah, just stop just, rooting just it. Just let it be what it is. Let it let it be the Firefly Funhouse. Let it be the singing. Who shot? Bravo. Let it be Cameron Grimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That one maybe a little more because that's just a straight up Lucha Underground death. Hey. Although I don't think he's dead, I think it was a red herring. You never know. There's very many candidates. Did you shoot Johnny Bravo? Mm. Did copyright law shoot Johnny Bravo? Man, he's pretty. Uh, Rhea Ripley defeated Raquel Gonzalez. And I liked this match a lot, and you didn't like this match Oof. at all, so let's fight. I, thought, I just thought it was boring. I thought this was a big hoss fight. They ran into each other, they threw punches, they did big moves, and nah. eventually Rhea Ripley won. I don't know. I just wasn't into it. Rick Mel Gonzalez has let you down. I don't know. I didn't really... I, I, everything just kind of felt jank. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I did appreciate that it was only like 13 minutes long. <laughs> oh, and some of that was in commercial as well, wasn't it? Aha. Uh-huh. So, there you go. Uh... Oh, Grimes running down the street made me <laughs> die, though, because he was in full, like, giant jeans. Oh, this poor man. You know what, first of all, I'm going back to the start of this for a second. Okay. He to ask Regal not to compete in this match and just take an L, he, it's a perfectly reasonable thing that he could have done. Why did Regal not allow that? Also, why is Regal sanctioning this? <laughs> he likes the zombies, obviously. He wants the zombies to kill people. Apparently so. Feels like an unsafe workplace to allow zombies to attack. <laughs> At the start, Cameron Grant goes, Oh man, the parking lot, that's the most dangerous part of the PC. <laughs> it is very true. Uh, at least they acknowledge it now. Uh, we've Unfortunately, also, we cancelled um, Cameron Grimes for hitting on zombie women, and we also have to cancel Drake Maverick for being racist. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was a ba- it was a bad night for <laughs> NXT talent. Because he dressed as Hulk Hogan, so unfortunately, sorry Drake, transitive properties. You are now racist. I like the way Killian Dane came out dressed as Shockmaster, and then uh, Maverick like, I'm was like, fall. why didn't you trip? And Dane was not abused. I, see, I, I like the pairing now. I'm all in. Back in it. Uh, we hit the end of the Cameron Grimes-Dexter Loomis thing, which I think Dexter it Loomis was technically won. a weird match, and Dexter Loomis... Ugh, I don't know, man. It was so weird, right? And then all the zombies crawled zombies. in the ring, and Wade Barrett was like, oh, oh, look at all these zombies. It was a cool image, though. It was. But, like, why does the serial killer man have zombie powers now? Don't worry. I'm sure, he's probably never going to use them again, so this will create a logic hole. <laughs> Dexter Loomis is a Black Lantern. Actually, I hope he, do- he goes the other way around, and he does, in fact, just constantly use the zombie powers now. <laughs> That'd be sick. 
Did you know that Batman has zombie powers? Does, does he? Yeah, he has a black lantern ring and can raise the dead. Don't we all? It's a solid, solid power. Tommaso Ciampa cut this promo about how everyone in NXT um, takes everything for granted. You see? <laughs> I didn't mind this until he said the words Velveteen Dream. And I was like, ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Go away. Leave us be. I thought we were done with you. I know. Every time I think we're done with him, he just pops back up in like major programs as well. And he won't go away. And like, yeah, because Champa's doing this promo, he's like, oh, NXT's not the same. These people feel like they're entitled to things. These people. And the biggest example is Velveteen Dream. I'm like, my heart just sinks. And I'm like, ugh, Champa, I, I have to not like you for another like three I'm months. Like- Chump, uh, <laughs> more like tomato chumper. <laughs> so yeah, that's a program. Champ and dream. I think it's just gonna blow it off next week, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our main event, in which the wheel was spun and the deal was made, and it was a tables, ladders, and scares match. Shotzi, by the way, big fan of her. I was gonna say, shout out Shotzi this entire show. <laughs> she was born for this show, and she <laughs> very good. Howdy, howdy indeed. Jim Ross would approve. Jim Ross now the pillar of horniness in pro wrestling. <laughs> Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae in a tables, ladders, and scares match. The four pillars of horniness in pro wrestling. Jim Ross. Yep. AJ Gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who else? Who else is horny on Twitter? Um, <laughs> we've run out of pillars at two. Uh, Joe Lanza. <laughs> this is an unstable building we're, we're, we're propping up. Not in the pillars, not very balanced. I'll be the fourth. You are the fourth <laughs> pillar of horniness. Yeah, I'm the Tauway. Oh, shit. Oh, Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae in a tables, ladders, and scares match today. Retain the NXT Women's I approve of that there was actual scares. I was worried there would be no scares, but there, there were scares. Somehow chairs were there. They weren't legal. I don't know why they were there. Yes, there were. Well, chairs are scary sometimes, too. <laughs> Name one scary chair. Um done you can't it's over uh, yes there were disembodied limbs that were swung that was the scares <laughs> she smacked the shit out of her with that first one yeah uh, before eventually Candace was sent cl- crashing through a ladder looks like she, she, she died this is a yeah that's what Candace is made for <laughs> she's made to die through ladders and tables and such what do you do with Candace after this um, not a lot. I didn't think she was winning this. Neither did I. But like, she's lost title matches enough that she can't just win the belt the, now. You know, she's the bridesmaid, never the bride. I guess she could just go back to mentoring Indy Hartwell. Maybe do a tag title run. Oh, that'd be cool. If <laughs> NXT tag titles, because you know they're never gonna bring the other one down here. Who are, are? Is it still Shayna Nia champs? Yeah. All right. Apparently, they're like putting Angel Gaza with Nia. That's a odd pairing. I don't know, someone told me that, and I believed it because WWE. That's NXT. Spooky. Oh, yeah. Good shows. Actually, no, maybe not good shows, but... (laughs) (laughs) They were fun shows. Match of the week. Pleasant shows. Uh, Wardlow and Hangman. Uh, I'm also going to go Wardlow and Hangman. Now show of the week, Liam. Um, Will we agree on this one? I'm also picking NXT. Yeah, it was more fun. And the poll says AEW, but the poll doesn't matter. Get out of here. NXT was spooky and fun, and Cameron Grimes screamed a lot. 
There was no Shotzi on. Also, it's the Halloween week, and we can't. And AW did nothing Halloween. And I think last year we gave Halloween the win. Ba- um, AEW the win based on their Halloweenness. So yes, we want our themed shows. It's the best part of wrestling. Take bumps into candy corn and thumbtacks. Yeah. Also eat thumbtacks. Yes. And candy corn. If you read the Impact Wrestling Twitter poll, more people would rather eat thumbtacks than candy corn. So there you go. <laughs> I never had candy corn. It's an American thing, neither have I. God, American candy sucks. It does. It's a, candy is a bad word. Do you say candy in Australia? I know, I sa- no, I said it just to appease them. Yeah, we say sweets. We say lollies. There you go. Like, wait till we just get the full episode of just us going, hey, what do you say? No, what do you say? <laughs> oh, what's it like doing this? <laughs> and we'll just do that. Well, listen, I've now discovered you don't celebrate Halloween, which has just shattered my worldview. Mm-hmm. Assume that the culture is part of the things that are part of my culture that come out of all cultures. That's the way it works, right? Yeah, right. It's that kind of viewing which uh, has gotten us this far. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at WarGamesPod where you can vote in the poll. If you'd like more AEW coverage in your podcast feed, you can listen to Everything Elite. If you'd like more WWE television show coverage in your podcast feed, you can listen to Shake Them Ropes. Thanks for listening and bye bye. So you're on time. Spook. Bye. Oh god, I've lost the recording button. It's still going.